Scattered across New Zealand's northern islands is a living fossil, a laid-back, lizard-like animal with a lazy lifestyle. The tuatara spends most of its time getting some sweet vitamin D in the sun and using the introspective sight of its peculiar third eye. But having insight can help with more than just character development here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And thank you to Brian for making the art for this week's episode. Specifically, check out this one. It's awesome. It looks like a magic kaiju. A magic kaiju. And today we're talking about something that looks like an iguana, but it's apparently not even a lizard at all. As opposed to a kaiju that's not magic. Yeah. We all know those. Yeah. An elephant. <laughs> is a kai is a very small kaiju that's not magic. Very small non-magical kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> so disappointing. But yeah, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh Torterra. The Pokemon. Is is that a Pokemon? Torterra? Torterra? Yeah, isn't it the the one that has looks like an island on its back. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. But this is this is close to that pronunciation. Oh, it's not that. I did all my research for the Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's grass ground, so it's like double weak to ice. And that's about all we have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> End of episode. Uh, so you know, don't run into ice monsters like the Torterra here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Uh, we're actually talking about the Tuatara. Tuatara? Is that how you would say it? Tuatara? Yeah. Tuatara? I'm not... No. (laughs) (laughs) Tuatara. What a wonderful word. It's like, I've got this thing down. Tuatara. I originally (laughs) wrote down Tuatara lizard and then deleted the lizard part once I did research. Yes, yes. Initially, actually, on our, our little sheet that we maintain i put tuatara lizard in the name it's like oh wait never mind it just looks like one almost exactly like one yeah but there are some some things that are like different about it than lizards have so that makes it not a lizard right tuatara is just too difficult to remember and pronounce i don't have time you know so let's let's put up some nicknames that we can call it uh, in his art, Brian called it trifocal tops. I guess that means three eyes on the face. If triceratops is anything to be uh, drawn from. But we're going to call it here the insightful iguana. Which is not true. It's not an iguana. And the semi charm chakra champ. <laughs> I. <laughs> I've been humming this song all day, and I looked up the lyrics for it. They're it's, awful. It's a bad song. <laughs> it's terrible. Don't listen to it, kids. It's very raunchy. I had I've never really like thought I'd, I'd never had the lyrics memorized. Just kind of the um the chorus, and it's just one of those songs where you like look back on it, 
I bet you like every child from the 80s looked back on all of their favorite songs and they're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, it's it's unfortunately such a catchy song and it works really well with this animal. <laughs> so how about you taxonomize this semi-charm chakra champ for us? Okay. It's in the kingdom you know, love, and reside within the kingdom Animalia. To the phylum Chordata. Mm-hmm. The class is Reptilia. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is where the similarity with uh, lizards ends. Uh, in terms of classification, but not in terms of everything about it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> lizards are in the order Squamata. Yeah. You can ask it, what's Squamata with you? But what you can't ask is, what's the order Rhynchocephalia? <laughs> Cephalia with you. That, yeah, Rhynchocephalia. Rhynchocephalia. It's, 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 if your head is very reminiscent of a Ringo star. No, uh, an ice rink. The family is Sphenodontidae. Mm-hmm. Sphenodontidae? Sure. And the genus is Phenodon. When I first when I first read it, I, I saw it as uh, Svenodon, which is like like a Norwegian dinosaur sensation. Yes, Svenodon. It's a it's like a moose dinosaur. Sven? Yeah. Isn't he a reindeer? Probably. They're, I don't think they have they don't have moose in Norway. They definitely don't. <laughs> Wait, do they not have? Are there no moose in, like, Russia? Russian moose. The East Asian moose. I don't know, but apparently the moose lives, yes, in... No, I'm wrong. There there are definitely moose in Norway. Or whatever I, else. I just couldn't... I, if there are bears in both places because of the Bering Strait. Heh, <laughs> the Bering Strait. Like grizzlies. Strait. Why didn't they call it the Moosing Strait? They're, they're not inclusive enough. Maybe elks are just female and adolescent moose. And we think we're looking at a different animal, but we're just looking well, at a moose. I'm sure there's no way for us to know the truth of that, like through <laughs> with DNA and biology and stuff. Uh, but the species is Punctatus. So it's always on time. Svenodon Punctatus. It's an Icelandic dinosaur that is always on time. Makes all its meetings and conference calls. Would you like to know what it looks like? No. It's time for my favorite part of the show. <laughs> Not critter groups. Uh, oh, no. Because it's a lizard, and we've done lizards lots of times. So I took your advice. From, it's not a lizard. Or it's it doesn't have one. And the closest thing I could find was a lizard. Um, and we've already done that. So it's I took your advice from last week's episode, and... Decided to uh, the the third option for an a, an animal if critter groups doesn't work and I think nitty gritty nomenclature doesn't work. Uh, it's the neonatal naming game. Oh, nice! So this is where you guess what the uh, the young of this animal. Actually, I had to do lizards again um, because there's not a lot of stuff on this. Um, or unique stuff that's not lizard-like. So, a baby lizard, Joe, 
Is it called A, a hatchling, B, a squirmel, C, a dredge, or D, a neophyte? A neophyte? A neopet? Yeah, a neopet. All of my neopets are dead, by the way. <laughs> I had well, one. Was... Mine are still going. I've hired an intern <laughs> to keep them. You sent them to a kennel. I mean an au pair, not an intern. <laughs> <laughs> a live-in au pair. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a neophyte. It's just weird enough for me to pick it. Is that your final answer? It is. I did not think I would get you with that. I thought you is it a immediately. Yeah, it's a hatchling. <laughs> I thought you would immediately notice that it was just a word. I it sounded sounded like new. It sounded like young. Neophyte and new. definitely does sound like something. It means it's definitely a word. It, yeah, it means a like person a person who is new to a subject. Yeah. Oh. Well, hatchling, it is. I was hoping I'd get you with squirmel. Squirmel was attractive. Yes. <laughs> Ew. An attractive option. An attractive squirmel. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a like a, a a Pokemon if its ability if its uh, type was slime instead of water Squirtle but it's slime instead of water. Ugh, it's slime type. <laughs> that should be the next one. Whenever they come out with a new type, it should be slime, and it's super effective against everything. <laughs> it's the most powerful type because every, everyone's just really grossed out by it. Grimer would have to be a slime type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Water and poison. Just slime types. Yum. Um, would you like to know what it looks like? Yeah, yeah. Torterra are big-headed, iguana-looking reptiles. They have short, stubby legs and thick, scaly bodies. So they kind of... If you've ever seen a marine iguana, they're kind of like that, only they have bigger heads compared to their bodies. Uh, they also have a spiny crest along their spines, which is more pronounced in males. And they come in green and pale gray... And that ha- and they have that signature countershaded look that all the animals are into these days. Yeah, it's a trend. I don't think it'll last. I mean, I don't think we're gonna get involved with it since we're standing upright and stuff. Yeah, but I definitely make sure that the bottoms of my feet are always darker I guess, than the top of my head. <laughs> I guess you could say that we technically might be counter. If you're a brunette, you're countershaded. The top of you is dark and the bottom of you is usually lighter yeah and like my hand is lighter than the the bottom the underside of my hand is lighter than the top part dang we've slipped into the trends oh goodness we're we're fad followers oh no uh what you will not find on the tortuatera is a, a external eardrum like you might find on lizards they have more holes or fewer holes in their skulls or more than lizards. You wouldn't be able to see that. <laughs> it's either more or fewer. One of those two. Different. Is- they have a different number of skulls, skull holes. And they all have they also have different ribs. And because of that, you're not allowed uh, to be in Squamata. I'm sorry. If you have different ribs. Yeah. That's really <laughs> discriminatory. I don't care if you look just like an iguana. You you're kicked out of the squamata. <laughs> I yeah I just sub, sometimes this the criteria for being in a in a certain taxonomical hierarchy is baffling to me. It's like everything can be exactly the same, but this one's got a red stripe, so nope. But if you're like, hey, 
all these reptiles that have external eardrums and they have dry scaly skin they have this kind of rib and that's that's what a lizard is and you find something that's like man this is everything that a lizard is except for a few things i guess we have to make a new thing for it because we were so hard and fast on those rules before yeah i mean i think like i think the skeleton does have a lot to do with how things are classified though yeah a lot more than any other physical aspect yeah, true. So, like, they might be like, listen, just, like, let us in. Let us in a squamata, and that, and it'll, it's just so easy. And he's like, yeah, but newts have been wanting into squamata for so long. If we let you in, we have to let newts in, and that's going to be a whole thing. And then we're going to have to – there's some, like, weird fish that can get up on land, and we, we they, they're just not fun to hang out with. They're a bad hang. They're not a bad guy. They're a bad hang. Bad hang, yeah. Specifically, like, yeah, we don't want snakehead in in the, in in this club, really. <laughs> the, their own clubs is great. It's just it's just it's horrible what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and axolotls and everything. And have you seen them regrow their spines? It's it's just not it's not really natural. Or I mean, right. we re- we regrow the tail, and that's it. Yeah, that's where we draw the line. True, true. Yeah, we have to. We pretty much have to say no to everyone else. I'm I'm really sorry to Atara. <laughs> Trust me, if it was up to me, I'd totally let you in. But you know, we we don't live in a vacuum. <laughs> uh, that brings us to what the how big is it? Welcome. Sure. The beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms uh, through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio yourself saying, singing, or chittering. The words Measure Up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new Measure Up intro this week. No. But that means we get to hear from an animal, and Carlos is the guest what it is. He's under contract. He has to do it. Yeah, my contract will expire soon, and then I'm... Off to Iceland, I guess. <laughs> uh, to to visit a Svenadon. Yes. Even though they aren't actually there. Uh, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. <laughs> this um, video, which is shot like a horror movie is brought to you by a guy named Kevin Messenger. Do you think that whenever he delivers bad news, he's like, don't shoot the messenger? <laughs> it's like, even something that's his fault, he could say that. Listen, don't shoot me, Brian Messenger. But I <laughs> wrecked Kevin. your car. Oh, Kevin, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Messenger. Uh, is that A, a common house gecko? B, a toadie gecko? Or toke gecko, sorry. Is it C, a crested gecko? Is it D, a leopard gecko? That's right, there's a there's a common house gecko. That means when there's a, a common house gecko in your house, it's supposed to be there. That's where it lives. That's its, that's its habitat, according to Wikipedia. I like geckos. Geckos are cool. They eat bugs. And they uh, stay out of my way. They're not on the floor like lizards. Probably not the house gecko. Because I have a lot of those in my house. And you've never never heard them making that barking sound? I've never heard them bark at me, no. So, get crested, toque, and 
Uh, leopard? I'm going to go with the Togepi. Togepi Gecko, Togepi final Gecko, answer? Togepi Gecko, final answer. That's correct. It is a Toke Gecko. Yeah. When was the last time I got one of these right? It's I don't know. It's been a while. They're carefully orchestrated so that you don't get them right. Yeah, you just you can just go look up a bunch of other Geckos and immediately have all of your other answers. When this segment started, I would ask you if that was like a bird, a crab, a gecko, or a mouse. And now you're like, and is it? Now it's just like four geckos. <laughs> is is it a hawk? Is it a red-shouldered hawk? Is it a is it a red-crested hawk? Is it a red-footed hawk? <laughs> it's it's as much a shot in the dark as uh, the other one. The best one, Critter Groups. I forgot what it's called. Yeah. The one you get right a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's talk about length. Males can be 61 centimeters or 24 inches. Some sources say even longer. Females are shorter, around 45 centimeters or 18 inches. So we're going in with 24 inches. Nice little two-foot nice, thingy. Nice, nice. How many tu- tuateras go into New Zealand's State Highway 1? Here's a hint. The highway is the longest in the country and goes across both main islands. Really? Is there a bridge that goes across those islands? I guess so, unless, like, there isn't and you just have to take a ferry. I'm pretty sure you have to take a ferry. I guess they just kept the same road. They're just like, it's just connects to that one over there, but you can't actually drive over there. Because I, I wanted to go there, planned a trip, and I'm pretty sure you had to take a ferry. I think we've done, like, the length of new zealand before we might have it's a it's yeah we did do the length of new zealand i don't remember what but it not was. the length of the road i think it was like a thousand miles or something like that and might as well go with that for the road length so i'm gonna go up with 2.6 million there's no way that's right but fine let's do it <laughs> 2.6 million to a terra yeah laid end to end would span the entire uh N-E-N-Z-1. So, final answer? Yep. The correct answer is 3 million. Oh, wow. 334,000. 320. So I wasn't that close, but at least I had the right number of digits. The highway is 2,033 kilometers or 1,263 miles. I was only 200 miles off. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about weight. Sure. They're about a kilogram. Neat. 2.2 pounds. 2.2 pounds. How many tuatera go into the approximate weight of the participants of the world's largest performance of the traditional Tahiti Ori dance if we assumed the average weight of participants was 137 pounds, or 62 kilograms? These are some light dancers. That, that is apparently the average weight of a human being a human adult seems light I'm, and i actually i'm just picturing like maori people and they just i'm not picturing like short people no you're right i did look up uh so i looked up first of all let's uh, i i was going to give them take some weight off because the crowd was mostly women so if if the average human is 137 pounds, if they're mostly women, then you'd think it would be smaller. But I looked up the average weight of 
Polynesian women, and they're higher on they're they're bigger on average. Women and men in Polynesia are larger than the average. So I just kept it at 137 pounds. In one dance we're talking about? Yeah. They were dancing on a golf course. Here's a hint. The dance literally means Dance of Tahiti, and its origins are deeply rooted in Tahitian history. The dance was passed down through oral and oral history, and the dance itself is tied to the oral language of Tahiti. The dance is shared through tourism and through traveling performances abroad. Before the record was secured in Tahiti, it was held in Mexico. I'm glad Tahiti has it, though, now. Mexico's got enough. It is called Mexico's the Dance Mexico's got enough going for it. It has a lot of records we've found. So number of people in one dance? I mean, I want to say like 200, because that would be pretty impressive. But I feel like you could have a lot more people doing one dance, so... You could have like a whole stadium worth of people doing one dance, but I guess it couldn't really have a place for them. Let's almost you have to learn to join the dance. Lie to lie, lie, lead a lie, lie. <laughs> Isn't that what Big Hero Six says? Lie to lie, lie to lie. Oh, um, did we talk about the Prince of Egypt last episode? Every episode we have to talk about the Prince of Egypt. It's true. It deserves it. Um, All right. So I'm going to say 2,000 people. That seems like a lot of people for a dance, Um, which means that it's 274,000 pounds. And so I'll say 124,000 Tuataras that go into the combined weight of all of the dancers in that Tahitian dance you were mentioning. The correct answer is 178,920. That was not that far off. There were 2,982 participants who were around 393,000 pounds combined. I was 66% of the way there. Not bad. It's still failing. Yeah, it's, but it's not. No, bad. it's not. It's a D. That's not failing. Well, if it was nursing school. True, true. Yeah, but I'm not in nursing school here. We know that. This, I mean, the weight of a nearly 3,000 people does sound like a nursing question. True, true. But, I mean, this is going to bring my, down my GPA, but I'm still graduating. <laughs> uh, Want to talk about some fast facts before we get into the major fact? Sure. Tuatera are native to Polynesian islands, New Zealand, and other remote Islands of the Pacific, many of them New Zealand islands. Uh, They've been driven away from major islands, but they can still be found on smaller, less populated islands. They're highly protected, so taking one from the wild is a big no-no. Zoos have only recently been allowed to take some to display and research. Plus, Tuateras are reptilian weirdos. Uh, we already know that they're not technically lizards, but they also enjoy cool and comfortable temperatures like 60 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. And if temps drop into the 40s, these guys are fine. But if they rise to the 80s, these boys need a window seat because this flower is wilting. <laughs> <laughs> in that in that, I mean they, they could die. <laughs> I, could, I could speak a little bit to their thermoregulation. Okay. Uh, Tuatera are competitive little boys. They... They'll drive each other away from the best dens, and males will fight for mating rights. 
Since their main method of predation is to sit at the mouth of their burrow and wait for food, uh, a good location is key. It's all about that real estate. All about that qua- location, location, pseudo location. lizard real estate. <laughs> uh, Tuateras live life at island speed. They take 20 years to reach sexual maturity. After mating season, it takes females seven months to lay their eggs. Then those eggs take a year to hatch. So nearly, I got that information, and then the source said, so it they will have taken over two years uh to develop Hmm. and i'm like that does not add up to two years a year and seven months but anyway uh they they take quite a while to hatch tuateras may take four years after they participate in a mating season to participate in another one so they're pretty laid back. Yeah, but they're they're like elves because they can live for more than a hundred years. And they have like in the wild. one kid so every century or something like that. Right, exactly. Through that long life, though, they may enjoy tasty bird eggs, worms, snails, frogs, and insects. Uh, and sometimes young are vulnerable to predation, even from other tuateras. So hmm. it's kind of like the crab thing, the the coconut crab. It's cannibal. Pretty, I guess, pretty common. Yeah, in a lot of species, is cannibal is cannibalizing the young of your own species. It's brutal. Uh, so apparently, tuatera and rats don't get along. You'd think they would. Would you? But they don't. <laughs> the the, the uh, tale as old as time. That classic friendship between tuateras and and rats. Isn't I think Fox and the Hound was about like, that. <laughs> No, that was their that was their original storyboarding uh, kind of like placeholder, and then they're like, "What if?" Now, hear me out. We change two cuter animals to a dog and a fox. You know those things that everybody loves instead of this uh, living fossil and uh, everything that everyone universally hates, and the thing that caused the bubonic plague. Yeah, yeah. and and then the guy was like, "Wait, why would we have putting poop in the streets?" In a movie. And he's like, no, not that cause of the bubonic plague. <laughs> the one that everyone thinks is the cause of the bubonic plague. <laughs> so on islands where rats have established populations, the scaly boys seem to dwindle. Rats are survival experts and eat everything, so they're able to outcompete tuateras. In the ni- in the nineties, the tuatera on several Polynesian islands were captured and bred in captivity. While rats on the islands were eradicated, then the reptiles were re-released. Eradicate. But that's all I got. All right. Time for the major fact, which I've called third eye not so blind. I'm just going to go back to that well. <laughs> um, so the uh, Turatara is a neat little living fossil. Um so it's got a lot of interesting characteristics, but it's kind of an excuse for me to talk about what's called uh, parietal eyes. So the parietal eye is a photoreceptive hole in the top of the Tuatara's head. And it has lens, a cornea-like structure, retina, rods, the whole kit, and also the caboodle. It's attached to the brain with a weak nerve connection, and uh, it has photoreceptors, but they are more similar to like an octopus's photoreceptors than they would be to a lizard's or a 
they're a, you know a lizard's regular eyes um so yeah this the tuatara has a third eye implanted not implanted but it's just been there uh in the top of its head and uh but this is what drew me to this animal in particular and then i did some research on parietal eyes and then i found out that a lot of animals have parietal eyes <laughs> including the lizard we did two episodes ago uh the sailfin dragon fish lizard <laughs> yep one of those words doesn't belong um yeah many lizards frogs fish and even some crustaceans and shrimp have a third eye um so i guess i kind of have to move this major fact going into hey i bet you didn't know that a bunch of animals have a third eye in the backs of including the iguanas in my backyard yeah it's it's pretty common among uh, lizards in particular. Even though the video I was watching about the Tuatera cited this as one of the things that sets it apart from lizards, which it is not. No, but it is more, it is the most pronounced and developed in the Tuatara um, than it is in other lizards. It's other lizards, for other lizards, it's basically vestigial, meaning that it's useless. Um, it's more visible as a hatchling and then it kind of just goes away but it's it's still there but you it's just not very useful and even with the tuatara it's um it's visible as a hatchling but then is covered by uh, an opaque scale so that you can't see it really as a um just as an observer but the difference is, is that this this one works <laughs> Uh, at least it works uh, better than most other animals that have the um, the third eye. Distinctly, it's not symmetrical. So basically, everything in most vertebrates is laterally symmetrical. So you just split it right down the middle, and it's the same on both sides. Um, that goes for mammals and birds and lizards and fish and all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, basically just vertebrates. So, but if you were to split a Turatara or, you know, a lizard down the middle, the, including through the parietal eye, it would not be the same on either, on either side. So that's a distinction. The reality is, is that while they know that the Turatara's third eye works, it um they're not 100% sure or agree on what it's for um they can't it it has photoreceptors and it has rods um but it doesn't have cones so it can't see color um and it can't make out images it's a it's basically kind of like an eye spot like a lot of invertebrates have or um like snails and things have. But there was a PubMed study conducted by I.R. Schwab, which shows that I don't get all of my information exclusively from Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> and that study suggested that the third eye is kind of like a, uh, a dosimeter, which I had to look up. It's a tool that measures the amount of radiation absorbed. So it's like a Geiger counter, but if... 
a, if a if a Geiger counter is like your speedometer on your car showing you how much radiation is there, like uh, how much is going is, is going through, the dose the dosimeter is like your odometer showing how much you've done. So um, when it comes to ultraviolet radiation coming from the sun, it might be a way to measure how much sun it's gotten or uh, specifically where the sun is. Um, other studies suggest that it could allow the tuatara to uh, kind of adjust its circadian rhythm. So day, night cycles. Um, possibly it allows it to use the ultraviolet, ultraviolet radiation to produce vitamin D um, to create melatonin, which is a... Um, a hormone used for sleep. Is it a hormone or a neurotransmitter? It's for sleeping. <laughs> um, it And it might help with thermoregulation. Um, so you mentioned earlier that it does better in, cold, in colder environments, um, unlike most other reptiles. And this eye, this third eye, may play a factor in that. Um. And specifically, it might even be able to see polarized light, and that would allow it to see the position of the sun during cloudy days. And from what I understand, it gets pretty cloudy in northern New Zealand if behind-the-scenes DVDs of Lord of the Rings are to be believed. <laughs> and I've definitely watched those a lot. And that's my knowledge of New Zealand. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that's basically it. It's the um, that's the major fact. But mainly, it's a major fact for any lizard we've done so far, including the uh, sailfin iguana we recently did, and the um, the gecko that clones itself. I forgot what that one was called. Uh, that the blood shooting lizard <laughs> that we did in like episode four. They all have a f an eye, not sticking out, but just nestled in the backs of their skulls. Nestled safely on the backs of their skulls. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. It's like a Christmas poem. <laughs> all, all of the eyeballs are nestled safely in the backs of the skulls of the lizards. And not a creature was stirring. <laughs> not even a mouse. Not even a, a rat. Not even a rat. Yeah. But that's it. Do you have anything else? That's all I got. All right. That was the Tuatara Lizard and also a good deal about the stoat. So, for you out there in Podcastia, bask in the sun. Keep up with your daily thermoregulation and open your mind's eye like the Tuatara here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. 
If you'd like some LDT flavored merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash taxonomy teas. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Life, Death, and Taxonomy is my favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> Just picture this this eighties Disney movie about the friendship <laughs> between a lizard and poop in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> oh when you're the best of friends <laughs> <laughs>